Welcome to the Freedom Nation podcast with Jeff Kickel. On this show, Jeff shares his expertise in financial and retirement planning from a different perspective. Planning for your Freedom Day, which is the first day that you wake up and have enough income or assets and do not have to go to work that day. Learn how to calculate what you need, how to generate income sources, and listen to interviews from others who've done it themselves. Get ready to experience your own Freedom Day. Hello, Freedom Nation. It's Jeff here once again, and it is another episode of the Freedom Nation podcast. Today, we have Sam Droshak on. Sam is what he calls a process scientist. So we will dig into that a little bit more and learn a little bit about him. So Sam, welcome to the show, my friend. Thank you. Thank you, Jeff, for having me. I am so glad to have you on here. Well, uh, why don't we kick it off like we always do and tell us your story. How'd you get to where you are today? Absolutely. So my story actually starts with me studying to be a doctor. Okay. So I, I always start all the way back because I have a science background, biology, chemistry, mm-hmm. psychology. And at the last minute, after working in the hospital for a while, I decided it wasn't the route for me. <laughs> uh, health sciences and taking care of people wasn't going to be my, my, sucks. my passion. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I just, I just spun myself out there with a biology and psychology degree. And mm-hmm. I entered the business world. And I, my whole story is really trying to find work uh, that, mm. that I could stomach, you yeah. know, as a young person, because I didn't have a plan that it, it, my plan evaporated in a way. It was really just how do I find a living that's enjoyable for me? And mm-hmm. with that, I slowly gravitated towards doing process improvement work and process engineering, okay. which is a right. fairly well-known discipline, but it, it's still very broad and mm-hmm. it comes from manufacturing mostly. But I entered the workforce right after the recession. So right after 2008 is when I entered the mm. workforce. Okay. And we were all just starting to digitize more. And that trend mm-hmm. has obviously continued exponentially till now. So this, this demand for process work in a more digital world is where I've made my career. And okay. my story of that career is I started with internal process engineering and doing in engineering for biochemical and water treatment companies. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then I moved into consulting. I consulted with Accenture. I consulted internally for a few jobs, and my focus was always process engineering for digital services, financial services, mm-hmm. and things like that. And I loved it. I really loved studying Lean and Six Sigma and the history of process improvement and how do we consult and how do we help businesses apply these methodologies in a more digital space. Mm-hmm. But then my story culminates really in I just kept seeing gaps And I kept seeing things that I'd like to do differently than what my boss was telling me to do or what the client was saying, this is not the right way to do it. And I wanted to be able to find a way to express myself in this space and and experiment with new methods and experiment with bringing process improvement into the 21st century. Are we still in the 21st? Yeah, we're in the 21st. Uh, We're 21st. Yeah, I had to think about (laughs) that myself. (laughs) Yeah, time is moving. But yeah, so bringing process improvement in 21st century. And to do that, I really had to start going off on my own. So right around 2015, I was not in a position financially where I could quit my corporate job, but I just started taking on free clients on the side. I started experimenting. I started putting together my own materials, my own methods to express this process work. Eventually, I I became a self-proclaimed process scientist, as you mentioned, and we we can dig into the details of that if there's interest. <laughs> but that was it. And then I really just started to build slow, slow, slow. And then I was able to go off on my own, um, probably around mm-hmm. 2020. It took me a few years. And then I went off yeah. on my own brand. 
And since then, I've done consulting work. And now I've just recently started a company called Truval, which is a software company that's highlighting a lot of this process science knowledge and trying to make it more accessible to people who may not be able to afford hiring Accenture or Bain or McKinsey uh, for their smaller medium businesses, but trying to make access to these great consulting tools for everybody. So that's my journey in a nutshell. I, I don't want to wax too eloquent, but I'm happy to delve into any or all parts of that. Well, and I think, you know, when we look at and, and for re, yeah, for people that listen and, and watch on YouTube and everything else, you, you've lived the exact Freedom Day process, you know, that we talk about the Freedom Day method. You know, you figured out, OK, this is what it's going to cost me to, to be able to jump out. You figured out, okay, I need to create some kind of little side gig. So you created a little side gig, built that up to where, okay, now it's starting to be a real money that's coming in. And now I can swap out and flip out into the real, you know, going out into the world where I have income coming in that I can count on. And now you're going to that final phase of the Freedom Day method, which is you are, you're looking at, okay, how do I make more of me? and use software to do that. How can I, how can I get to where I have passive income coming in and I'm not there, you know, in the middle of the consulting realm constantly. So, you know, I, you, you've done it the right way that we teach people to do it. You know, you don't just go quit your job and then try and figure this out. You figure it out while you're going, while you're still getting paid by somebody else. And then you get to the point where you're at today. So kudos, you, you've done an awesome job of getting to where you need to be stably, where you're not having to scramble and try and find another job to pay the bills. Thanks. Yeah, it certainly wasn't overnight, but yeah, oh, like yeah, you said, yeah. the, the method, the method definitely yeah. that you described is the one I followed intuitively and it really yeah. did work for me. And there's yeah. a time where you really have to grind and you have to put in a lot of yeah. hours, but I think that's the reality. And as long as it's something, at least in my own experience, if you're passionate about it and it's really what you yeah. want to be doing, it's the same hours you'd be spending doing something for fun or, or working on your favorite hobby. Yeah. Or, you know, once you once you switch over to that as your full time job now, it's the hours that you were spending working for somebody going, God, I wish I, if I could just do it this way. And now you get to do it that way, which is fantastic. Right. And that that's then it's not really work or a job anymore. Now it's just fun. That's so right. let's talk about that. You know, your typical client that you work with, you know, on an individual one to one level, not necessarily with the software right now, but on an individual one to one level, who are you typically working with? Sure. So my business right now is a lot of referral business, and I only start okay. with that because there's not a, a real constriction to the process science methodologies that I use. Mm -hmm. So I would say the closest thing out there is if you're going to hire a strategic consultant or even a management consultant to do some software implementation or large project work, and really the heavy process remodeling, process analysis, organizational redesign, you know, they call it operating model transformation, digital transformation, all the buzzwords. Mm -hmm. I've got a lot of skills to walk clients through that lifestyle cycle of project. And I'm really got not it. constrained to a particular industry. I can do small, I can do big. So I've worked with companies all the way from startup all the way through Fortune 100 Enterprise. Mm -hmm. So at this point, my perfect client is the one that is a referral client. Somebody's worked with me before or you know, just recently they were a C-suite executive in one company and they moved to another and they realized over there, I need more process help. So mm -hmm. they reach out. Um, and the people who have an awareness of process work, who are open to more innovative methodologies and who are open to a, somebody who's a straight shooter and just tells them what's going on in their business. I look more for client fit from a personality perspective than a yep. particular client niche. Hmm. 
Well, and I think that's the bigger part of it because you're going to spend a lot of time together and and you're going to get into some things that they're probably not going to be comfortable with, but you've got to kind of irritate and and say, okay, well, you need to do this so that you'll get to this point. Yeah. Well, and, and you, you know, talk about the word freedom. Freedom to me is being able to say no to clients that I think are yeah. a bad fit. I mean, I, I think that's a big one because like you said, it, it could be maybe a strange business or maybe I have no experience in industry, but if somebody has the right mindset and they really mm-hmm. legitimately want the work and they seem like there's somebody who's willing to commit to it and go through business changes and be a champion in their business for this type of work, then those are the best clients. And those are the clients I try to look for more so than any mm-hmm. other type of, any other dimension of the engagement. Yeah, absolutely. Well, let's talk a little bit about process science. I mean, you, you, you talked a little bit about it, but what, you know, when you define that, what, in your view, because it's your term, what in your view is process science? Sure. So process science versus process improvement or some of the other process Mm -hmm. engineering that you might hear floating out there, process in general is not a very standard discipline. It's so encompassing, right? People who do process work, they could be anything. Mm -hmm. And the idea I'm trying to get out there behind process science, and it's a lot of the foundation of my work as a consultant and a lot of the work I've done academically in the field is that you, if I analyze the process, I should be able to have another person who understands the right methods and the right techniques analyze the process and for whatever business purpose, get the same results as me. Mm. Whereas yeah. today, a lot of consultancies and you hire consultancies, their whole thing is you're hiring our experience and our anecdotal opinion and our 30 years of looking at this kind of scenario and being able to tell you what we think is going on. And really the scientific aspect of what we're trying to do and what I endeavor to do with my consulting is that you don't need somebody with 30 years of experience. If you have the right tools and you have the right mindset, this is just like a science experiment. I should be Mm -hmm. able to get the data in a structured way and whatever the outcome you need for your business, you should be able to do it if you had the right tools and instruction. They should be able to do it. I should be able to do it. This is not a matter of, hey, I'm not trying to pretend I've done this a lot and that's why I'm the expert you should be hiring. Because I believe that's what's going to scale this and it's really going to get process engineering to the next level, which is having a scientific approach and a scientific mindset and being able to write the right data down, do the right calculations and explain and expose that to people. I think that's the nature of science. So Mm. that's my short answer, you know, really trying to bring a scientific rigor and a scientific discipline to process work so that this work can really grow as a domain of knowledge versus just recreating the wheel in every engagement. Well, and I think, you know, that the other part of that is the repeatability. I think that's out of all the stuff that you said that repeatability. Okay. Anybody that has knowledge of it should be able to follow the same processes that you're going through and get the same result from that perspective. So if you, you know, in a lot of cases, if you can train the trainers within the organization, you don't then have to have that reliance on the guy who's been around for 30 years who may or may not be around for another five or 10, you never know. Right. And and this is the, this is part of the issue that I have with consulting and I won't be on the soapbox for more than a few seconds, (laughs) but you can't, the incentives are all wrong, right? Because in process science, every engagement I go to, I'm aggressively trying to empower and upskill my clients. So they don't need me in the room, which is not a really great sustainable business for me as an independent consultant, because I want to be the last person you see, because you should be able to do this after I leave. Hmm. Other consultancies whose whole business is based on staying alive and getting consulting business, there's no incentive there for Hmm. them to scientifically expose their methodology, make it replicable to your point, Hmm. make it repeatable so that the next time it comes up inside somebody's business, 
they have the skills to do it themselves because then they're out of a business at that client. So there's an inherent conflict of interest that for me in my career, I've tried to combat. And that's part of the reason why I did have to go off on my own, because Mm -hmm. if you're trying to do the right thing for clients, you should be putting yourself out of a job every time you have a job. And that's a hard Mm -hmm. thing to do at scale. Yeah. Now, are you working typically, you know, as you're coming in and helping them design processes and, you know, analyze what's going on now, are you working with other disciplines like, let's say, software implementation folks and, you know, maybe marketing implementation folks? And Absolutely. So I would say where what I have under process science is everything. It's it's the study of change. Okay. Essentially, because everything in process is, is, is everything that exists in motion could be described in process terms. So mm-hmm. everything falls under the jurisdiction of process analysis. You getting up and making breakfast in the morning up to like merchandising and e-commerce for the largest companies in the world. Mm-hmm. And if you look at the scope of that, how do you change one process from how it is today to another? It by its nature has to be an integrated discipline. And, mm-hmm. you know, I would say the big three are, you know, you've got your process engineering skill set. You've got your project management skill set because every time you make a process change, it has to be a project. Mm-hmm. And then you have to have your change management skill set, which is if you're going to be able to get a process from one end to another or one design to another, you have to use all three of those in, in a pretty integrated fashion. And then, of course, to your point of do I work with software people? Do I work with marketing people? Whatever mm-hmm. the nature of the project is, you have to work with all those people because they're going to be involved in the change, the requirements. So it's really bringing all together and saying there's not a lot of difference. If I'm going to get one process from A to B, I've got to be able to talk at least and act on all of those different things to make it happen. Otherwise, it's you don't have the whole the whole tool set. Hmm. Now, I mean, do you act? Do you see your role as almost a little bit more of a coach or kind of the quarterback of the team? I like to be the coach. I often end up being the quarterback by accident. <laughs> but yeah, I, I would love to, I, I It's both in reality. You know, yeah. you get hired to be the quarterback or you get hired to be the person who's catching the ball. Also, you get hired mm. to be every role um, because they, yeah. they, clients just want it done. But ultimately, to the point I made earlier, I want to be the coach. And part of moving mm. into a software company is so that I can just be the coach virtually and people can also mm. coach themselves. Because to me, the only scalable and sustainable value you can bring to clients for this kind of work is to coach them and upskill them. So th- mm. that's really my take. And I try to play that role, wear that hat as much as I can. And I do offer executive coaching and C-suite level coaching also to kind of help okay. organizations move through those changes. But I would love to say that's a huge part of my revenue, but it's probably less than 10%. <laughs> People just want the thing solved. They don't like, just how to fix do the it. problem and get done. Right. So I can, I don't have to do it. Yeah. I always offer, yeah, but I don't push it. <laughs> I see that in my, my exit planning side of my business. It's like, yeah, my, my friend, John Denny, who created the exit map, he's, he always, it's, you're the coach. You are not the quarterback. The quarterback is the guy who's running that business guy or gal who's running that business. They're the ones that have to be out on the field playing. You're there as a coach. And, you know, I, uh, same thing. I get, tied into it sometimes when, you know, you need financials and, oh, well, I don't know how to, okay, just get out of my way. Let me get in there. And I'll put them together for you just to get this thing moving. Yeah. It's tough. I mean, yeah. it's, yeah. you have to aggressively keep yourself out of it if you want to be sustainable and scalable, yeah. even as even Absolutely. as an individual contributor. And it's been one thing that I try to live it because I help clients with it so much. And it's also how I was able to get myself into the entrepreneurial position, which is mm-hmm. you can't get you can't get trapped in the weeds all the time. You've got yeah. to be able to delegate. You've got to be able to manage. And like you said, if I can be the person who's always avoiding 
taking the quarterback role, mm. you, you have to. You have to to set that yeah. example too. Um, and it's kind of ironic because you go into places and to set a good example and coach people, you want to do as little work as possible, honestly. Absolutely, yeah. Um, so yeah. It's, it's kind of I, a fine I need balance, to be a great but... example for you that this is the way you should be <laughs> in your business. Exactly, because a lot of people are just in their own way, as I'm sure you've seen in your work. Yeah. Oh, God, yes. Uh, let's transition over to something new in your business now, which is the software side of the business. So explain where you're going with that. Sure. So the software side of the business, I'm really excited actually to share that our first software product that's enabling better process science and process work, we're going into sort of alpha testing next month. Nice. And we're hoping to release the product this last quarter of this year, um, at least mm -hmm. for people who are, who are interested in being early adopters. And the tool is a process mapping tool. And before you think anyone who's interested in this field, you know, oh, it's just going to be another here's a 50 million shapes in a blank page. Uh, we've tried to <laughs> go away from that to reduce the learning curve and make this more effective. Yeah. So it has a lot of unique features. I won't go uh, into them, but it's really hoping to change the game in process mapping. And I, I always tell clients and I tell people in general, process mapping is the most important part to make the science real because mm. it's the tool that if you get the right data that describes a process, that's going to give the rest of the work all of the the structure and the standardization and the normal data that you need so that you can do it. And a lot of people are afraid of process mapping. So mm. I'll tell you, you know, especially you told me you have a lot of entrepreneurs and you have a lot of small business owners in your audience. One of the biggest things I recommend to small businesses, take the time to write down your process because it will change mm -hmm. the way you think. If you just write down what you're doing, because a lot of people think they know, but even if it's just yeah. you and a partner writing it down or even just for yourself, trying to put it on paper really tells you how much you know what's going on in your business. But a lot of people are intimidated because the only things out there are blank pages. So we're really trying to change that in our first tool, which is giving you a structure, giving you a language, giving you guidance and helping you make these documents easily in a way that it gives you the guidance so that you can get great process data and you can start having great process conversations. So that's our first tool. And we're hoping that it starts a broader conversation about process work that everyone can get into. I tell you, that is uh, that was probably the biggest change in my life. You know, I sold my business about this time last year and launched a new wealth management practice that really focused on a couple of different areas. And I will tell you, that was the one conscious thing that I was like, you know what? At some point, I'm probably going to have somebody working with me as I launch this, which I have since. And I, I just literally every single thing that I did, I wrote down every step of the process because in the past, you know, we've been successful in spite of ourselves in a lot of cases there where, you know, it's all in our heads and this is what we do and all that. But I, you know, just consciously writing that stuff down one was, I mean, it's helpful for the future, but I mean, even that was helpful for me of documenting all those processes, because then you start to look at it and go, well, why am I doing that? You know, if you keep following that same thing, and why am I doing that? That doesn't really add or subtract from anything. Okay, well, just remove that step. I think it's just amazing. So I, I applaud you for what you're doing. Thank you. Yeah. And what you said, I just can't, you know, this is where I could talk for hours on this, because I'm so passionate yeah. about this topic you just said. But for most people, and for those of you listening, what Jeff just described is what a lot of people, they go through just by trying, just by writing yeah. it down, especially when you live in a more digital world now. You can't walk into the proverbial office and just look around and use your intuition to see what's going on anymore because we're mostly virtual or we live in a hybrid mm -hmm. 
environment. And just writing it down and being able to articulate to yourself or others, what is the process? It activates your common sense. I would say that 90% of my work is done if I can just accurately get a process map in place and show people what their business is actually doing. So I want to bring mm. that clarity. I want to bring that vision to other people. And I want to make it a process that people don't feel intimidated to engage with. And that's really what the process yeah. mapping software is meant to help. Love it. Absolutely love it. Well, let's uh, let's flip over to the fast five questions now. So first question, you wake up in the morning and your business is gone. You have 500 bucks in your pocket, laptop, computer, place to live, food and drink. What are you going to do first? Sure. So the nature of a software business is it's pretty capital intensive, unfortunately, mm -hmm. especially if you're trying to build software from the ground up. So I would have to just scrap that idea and I would honestly wake up and just do what I'm doing on the consulting side and I would start over. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, if I had to start over with that, there's nothing stopping me. I don't have like the consulting side of the house is not a capital intensive business and I love it. Mm -hmm. I love what I do. You know, I have greater aspirations, but I would just go out there and start again. And I do it better and try to build back up and, and get that momentum because mm -hmm. I feel like I'm on the path that I want to be on. So it's not a huge, I don't think there'd be a huge pivot there. Yeah. Excellent. Excellent. What's the biggest business mistake you've ever made? Oh, I think bad clients are, <laughs> and I could go into specifics, but I've taken on some, I've taken on some bad clients and yeah. those tend to be, there's nothing that perverts your passion for a particular kind of work than taking on a bad client that just mm -hmm. won't work with you, stomps all over you, trying to force you to do things that you don't want to do or not in your integrity. So, you know, as I mentioned earlier, I think experience and also some financial flexibility allows you to say no and allows you mm -hmm. to kind of listen to those red flags when you're dealing with clients. But I'd say that those are definitely the biggest mistakes in my career, which is nothing about money, nothing about, oh, I went this way or that way. I always try to live in experimenting mode. But mm -hmm. taking on clients I knew were bad and I knew were going to give yeah. me a hard time because I just I didn't have the boundaries to say no. And I and I regretted and I had to learn the hard way from those experiences. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, that's it's it's the painful way and the, and the fortunate situation when you get to the point where you have enough of them coming in that you can say no. That's the greatest day of your business is being yeah. able to say no. Sometimes you just can't at the beginning. You've got to take what you get. But yeah, it, that day, it, it was nice this time around starting up a practice where it was like, OK, I'm, if you're automatically a jerk right out of the gate, you aren't going to get any better. You know, if I, if I talk to somebody and they're like, well, I've been divorced four times, it probably wasn't their fault, I'm guessing. Or you're a really bad judge of character. But yeah, I totally agree with you on that. What's a good book that you would recommend to our audience? Sure. So this might be a little heavy, but it's the mm -hmm. Toyota way. And that's by oh, Jeff, yeah. Jeff Liker. Yeah, it's that or the machine that changed the world. But the Toyota way, I think, is the better of the two. And it's really just about the history of lean and the Toyota company mm -hmm. and the Toyota way of doing business. And I think that, again, it's a bit dry. There's not much of a like huge storytelling there, but it really mm -hmm. changed the way I, th I thought. And as somebody who's either in a business as an employee or a business owner yourself, being able to think in process terms, being able to have a little bit more vernacular of what makes a good process versus a bad process, I think it's really mm. foundational to living a productive, efficient life. And I can yeah. recommend it more if you don't have that background or that exposure to just sit down, learn what Toyota did, learn some of the Japanese terms, learn some of the language and really learn what the, the history of process improvement, uh, because I think mm. it's eminently relevant now, and it will continue to be relevant uh, for the rest of our careers until we all get yeah. automated, I suppose. Well, and it's a really interesting history 
for them, you know, because it was really us. Yeah, us after the war sending over all these process people like Peter Drucker and saying, you know, help them out, help them grow. And they just ate it up and, and built it into, you know, the entire world that exists in the, in Japanese manufacturing. So yeah, it's, I've, I've had friends re- recommend the book. I've read part of it and yeah, it's a really interesting story to really hear how, how, you know, all that occurred. Yeah. Well, in World War II is just such a fascinating time in our history yeah. too. So it has that historical context. It just gives you a broader context of how a nation extremely poor in resources and recovering from mm-hmm. war really figured out by necessity what makes a great process. And it's just such yeah. a, it is, it's a fascinating story. Well, and it's, I mean, you know, when I, when we talk about, you know, oh, well, stuff coming from China or India is cheap right now. Well, that used to be Japan. You know, it's, it was poorly manufactured. There wasn't much. And then they really developed the point where quality was such an important part of their world that it's, it's really amazing to, to see how that happened, you know, over a period of 50 to 60 years. What's a tool that you use in your business every day that you might recommend? Sure. So it may seem simple, but a tool that's really mm-hmm. helped me is the task panel on Google on Gmail. Or, okay. you know, I have all these mail programs. I mean, I know Outlook and some of the main ones have the analog, but mm-hmm. I used to always have a written to-do list. Yeah. And, you know, when I was pushing myself to digitize everything, it was the one thing that I found, you know, like a notepad that's right in your central place was kind of missing. But then I realized all these email tools have one and it really changed the Mm -hmm. way I thought about it because I've got my email, but I've always got a sort of a short task list of here's things I need to do quickly right there in the email pane. Yeah. So it may seem like a simple tool, but that one really, really uh, changed the game for me because it just had me organize everything because you're in email so much of the time. It just had everything in Mm -hmm. one place and I wasn't constantly scrambling. So I think that's really helped me in my work. And I I highly recommend it. Well, and it's there on, yeah, on all your devices, I'm assuming, and everything else too. So, yeah, it's really just the idea of email management is such a, something that everyone does and a lot of people don't, really put a lot of time into thinking how to optimize it. So making sure mm. the right things are in your inbox versus the side panel versus your, you know, other types of lists. So that, that was, that was a big one. I love it. Love it. All right. Last question. What is your definition of freedom? My definition of freedom beyond being able to say no to bad clients is just <laughs> being able to generally not work on things I don't want to work on. Uh, okay. You know, having, having, low enough costs that I can always work on things that I want to work on. That's freedom to Mm -hmm. me. Okay. I I think it's the biggest thing. Well, fantastic. So Sam, if somebody wants to get a hold of you, what's the best way? The best way is to reach out to me directly. I'm at sam at truval.com. My company is T-R-U-V-L-E. And if you want to get plugged in with our product that I mentioned earlier, that's coming out, you just go to truval.com. It's the only page we have. It's pretty scrappy. Mm -hmm. And you just sign up your email and say, I want to be in the know for this product. And then you'll, you'll hear from us. But yeah, I always tell people, if you want to talk to me about anything, if you're just a process nut, if you're looking for consulting, if you're looking for coaching, feel free to reach out to me. I'm Sam Drawshack on LinkedIn or Sam at truval.com, whatever is easiest. And, and that's pretty much it. Cool. Well, we'll uh, we'll make sure that stuff is in the show notes, whether you're listening to this or watching it. So, Sam, thank you for being on today. It was great. It was very interesting. I I love what you're doing. I love people that create their own their own category. And I, I love what you're doing with that. So thank you for being on today. Thanks for having me. It was a pleasure. Appreciate it. So, folks, 
make sure you reach out to Sam. If you're interested in, in the software, certainly make sure that you contact them on the website so that uh, you can get on the list, whether you're a consultant or whether you are a small business and might want to use something like that. We do these shows twice a week, Tuesdays and Thursdays. So make sure that you are subscribed to the channel, whether it's on the uh, YouTube channel or whether it is on the podcast channels. We are on all major podcast channels. So make sure that you hit that subscribe button. And if you can give us a five-star rating because that helps get us in front of more people like yourself. So thanks a lot. And we will see you back here the very next time. Thank you for listening to the Freedom Nation podcast. You can find us on Apple Podcasts and all the major channels. Wherever you're listening, please subscribe to the channel and leave a rating and review. If you have friends and family that could benefit from their own Freedom Day, please share with them. Finally, join Freedom Nation by following us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter.